Welcome to Fandom Night Wrestling Corner, where we cross the line and piss on it. Oh, God. Or piss past it, whatever. I'm Scott Action Jackson. As always, I am Cesario Level. And today we're getting ready for some good matches, brother. <laughs> yes, indeed, we are crossing the line. We are dipping into TNA, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. Oh, yeah. And technically, let's start it at the beginning. The very first, well, technically it was NWA TNA show was part of the weekly pay-per-views they were having starting on June 19th, I think, in 2002. That sounds about right, but then again, when it comes down to it, because, you know, Scotty and I were talking about it off the air, and because he was like, you know, where does your TNA info start? And I'm like, dear God, I can't remember. Sets is much later, back uh, a little bit past when the TNA Impact shows started. Yeah, um, here, okay, I, I'm trying not to give too much away, but then again, we've been through this before, you know, on a we fandom night. We do anyway, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to say, but, you know, being on fandom night, um, I grew up in Bartonville, and at the time I was going to Limestone, and I went to Limestone from like 04 to 07 or something like that, but, uh, me and a well, me and Britt, which I've you know talked about a few times on the show here. Me and him, uh, we would ride the bus together. Like that's how we became friends. Is we would ride the bus, sit around, talk games and wrestling and crap like that. And one day he found this wrestling show, and he was like, "Dude, you got to watch it. It's so freaking amazing." I was like, "Okay." And he, we would literally, he would get off the bus, run inside his house, turn it on, and. At the time, it's uh, it was like channel forty six, seven or eight. It was like the the FSN Fox Sports Network. Yeah, they, here they, in Illinois, they were running some of those during the Fox Sports uh, Net channels. Even though they probably had, for for this area, they probably did have two. There was like a Chicago and St. Louis one because of the two baseball teams. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they did. Um. In fact, I'm trying to look it up now. Yeah, it was fifty. It was fifty six and fifty seven, because I'm looking at them now as I'm watching Terminator Two. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I'm not focused. I'm trying to text a couple people and watch Terminator Two because I haven't watched it in God forever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> off topic. I know yeah. I go that way from time to time. <clears throat> but uh, Britt would literally get off the bus, run inside. And turn on the match, and then as soon as I would get home, which would be like five, ten minutes later, I'd literally call him up and be like, dude, what did I miss? Because, like, the first couple matches that we ended up watching was, like, pretty freaking awesome. Like, the, one of the big ones I can remember, which I brought up to Scotty, was it was a match between AJ Styles and somebody else, and I can't remember who it was. Can you describe him? Oh, no, I mean, like, I can't remember the match completely. I can only remember the end. But he you was... You don't remember the opponent's name or anything? I don't remember the name, what he looked like, who it was. Oh, okay. All I know, he could have been wrestling the ghost of Andre the Giant. <laughs> you know? Like, like I said... Styles clash on that. 
Yeah, man, no joke. But uh, like I said, it's it's one of those things where, well, I don't know. He's able to do it to Samoa Joe, but then again, him and Samoa Joe also did all the mocap for the video game. Uh-huh. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway. Yeah, we'll um, probably get there. We'll get there at some point. <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, no, that's what I was saying. No, because uh, um, I'm trying to get me a glass of water here. Um, it was AJ Styles. He was wrestling somebody. And literally in mid-match, they just stopped the match. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Well, back in those days, I never paid attention to it. But up in the top, they actually they kept like the names of the guys who were wrestling, like who was facing who. And, and then there was clock. a timer. And I didn't realize it, but the timer had gone out. So like they literally, like I think he had hit the Styles Clash and was about to go for the count or something. And all of a sudden, like they ding the bell and stop the match, and they were like, "Time has expired. The judges, or yeah, the judges sitting by the ring have uh, decided that, you know, this and that and the other, and based off a point system." And you know, I was like, blah, "The blah, hell!" Blah. <laughs> but they they essentially like he Styles was looking like what just happened, like all of us were. And it was one of those things where it was kind of cool with the fact that they actually, you know, they kept a timer. Because, you know, if you go to a live show, whether it be, you know, WWE or, you know, TNA, or if you go to a local show, they actually, they're like, you know, they'll actually announce the rules of the match beforehand. They'll be like, you know, the the, the following match will be contested for one fall. Your referee is so-and-so. It's this person versus this person. It'll be contested under like a 15-minute or a 10-minute, or a 30-minute time limit. And most of us, we get so caught up that we don't actually stop to, like, pay attention to the clock and see how much time is left or anything like that. Because most matches, usually, they don't run past the allotted time. Like, if they're like, this is going to be a 15-minute match, you can bet your ass it's going to take them 10 minutes to get through everything they need to get through. I know with the WWE, they usually do keep a clock up when they do, like, some of these beat-the-clock challenges for, I think, title shots or something. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if it's, if it's you know, specifically designed to be, like, a beat-the-clock thing, they'll put up a timer. Yeah. But, like, okay, main event for WrestleMania, you know, like, you'll get, hell, I'll just throw these out there, you get Triple H fighting Undertaker. Okay. <laughs> I'm just throwing out names here. You get Triple H and Undertaker. And literally in the main event after, you know, all the fanfare of, you know, here's their entrances and that crap, you'll actually get somebody to, in the middle of the ring, announcing it. And they'll be like, this content, oh, God, what was the name? Raw used to do it, too. They would have uh, uh, the chick ring announcer. Lillian Garcia. Yeah, they would have her and a bunch of other dudes, like they would randomly just, you know, hop in the middle of the ring and be like, this match is, you know, contended to be a one fall. You know, you got this person and this person. It'll be contested under a time limit. And, you know, like they announce it. Very rarely have I actually seen them enforce an actual time limit. Yeah, you know. That's something that they did with the, the actual TNA Impact episodes when it was on Fox Sportsnet. But... Yep, exactly. But I think that also come down to a matter of, you know, the... Not only were they doing the show live, if I remember correctly, when I was watching it, not only were they doing the shows live, or at least pre-recorded, <laughs> at uh, Universal Studios in Orlando, 
was actually where they uh, had everything set up at. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, what was I saying? Yeah, not only was it set up there, so they would have people coming in, you know, after they were done riding the rides or whatever, and they just wanted a place to sit down and cool off and, you know, still be entertained. You know, people would just walk in from, you know, outside riding a roller coaster or seeing the rest of the theme park and watch a wrestling show. You know, there there were actually people that paid to get, you know, the year pass and stuff to get in so that way then they can just go to the shows and watch the shows. Because if I remember correctly, they were actually running the shows, like, daily. They probably they were. were like, I, I remember quite a few times I, I remember seeing them the episodes on like one day after not another if, if if not at least you know one day and then maybe a couple days later again yeah i was about to say because i know generally speaking they yeah. almost always ran them on tuesdays it was tuesdays or thursdays i can't remember but they yeah, almost always yeah but i was about to say they almost always ran like the the televised episodes on like either tuesday or thursday or Wednesday and Friday or something like that. No, I but they would actually run the show for the people at the park like every single day. Now, but at the same time, it wasn't a matter of like they would have the same people there every day either. You know what I mean? Like if AJ wrestled on like Tuesday and Friday, he wouldn't have to show up for like Monday, Wednesday, or Saturday type of what's type of deal. As I'm something I brought up before with Seth. Uh, is I remember that these uh the Teenage Impact episodes on uh, Fox Sports Net, I remember them being about forty some minutes. But you said that you remember them being about an hour. An hour. That's what you said about an hour. But it's like. Oh yeah, no. I sorry. I had a retard moment. I knocked <laughs> something off my table, so I was busy picking it up, not paying attention. No. Uh. Yeah. I. I could swear to God that it was a possibility that they would run for an hour. Because I know the original weekly pay-per-view events that they were doing was almost two hours long. Yeah, and but, and generally speaking, when it comes down to that type of stuff, like, the show usually runs short, if not close to, a pay-per-view runtime. Now, at the same time, with them, like I said, because they wouldn't have the full, you know, roster there every single day, because, yeah. you know... I ugh, mean, excuse me. with that being the case, they could have just filmed maybe up to a pay-per-view's amount of matches and just cut them up and put them on TV. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of they did later on, too, with, I guess you could say, the present, more recent past version of TNA, how they're... Uh, recording their stuff and showing it later on. Now, with uh, the TNA Impact episodes took place in Florida, in Universal Studios, but the very first ones kind of took place in Tennessee. And they were trying to be more focused on uh, rekindling what WCW had, since it was also part of the NWA. Yeah, because I was about to say, even though they didn't really... They didn't really make mention of it too much until after, you know, everything... <clears throat> excuse me. Until after everything kind of sorted itself out a bit. <laughs> but 
like Jeff Jarrett was essentially he was the one in charge of almost all of it, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, it, it was started by the Jarretts, Jeff Jarrett and his father. Yeah, exactly. And and like I said, it's one of those things because I even brought it up to you, where I was like, you know, he he's the one that actually came up with the actual innovative idea of you know, let's have two separate entrance you know entrance ramps. Yeah, for and you're the, like, the yeah, I feel wrestling, like so. Yeah, and you were like, I feel like that's stupid. Well, if I remember correctly, Jarrett actually stated himself that the reason why they did that is because he knows most people who watch wrestling aren't stupid. Yeah. You know, they come to see the drama and everything, but he said at the same time, it feels a little repetitive, redundant, and stupid. <laughs> and yes, I know where you guys thought I was going to go with that one, the three R's. But... You know, he, he felt like it was stupid to have two guys who were essentially supposed to be at each other's throats, you know, ready to kill one another type of thing. And they're both coming out of the same spot. Like, you know, they'd still have to pass one another in order to, you know, make it out to the ring. Yeah. Like, it's not like there's like a 10 minute delay where one dude walks out and then you got to wait for the other dude to walk <laughs> from the back to come out. And, you know, he was like, no, that that makes no sense. You know, you if you have, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin fighting against Vince McMahon from back in the day, and Stone Cold would walk down the ramp, and then, like, three, you know, three seconds after they cut his music and started up, you know, Vinny Mac's music, then here he comes down the ramp. And he's like, that's absolutely stupid, you know? That, that means that you can clearly tell these dudes are hanging out in the back, you know, they, they know each other, you know, they're sitting around BS and talking shop, doing that. He was like, no, we decided that, you know, we're not going to BS you. We, you know, we know you guys know that it's essentially all storyline driven and it's a giant male soap opera. But at the same time, we're at least not going to pull back that little bit of the illusion to it, you know, but when it comes down to the actual showmanship for the storyline, it's 50 times easier just to be like, here's one side, here's the other, and the good guys are going to come out of this side and the bad guys are going to come out of this side, so that way then if there's, you know, a heel versus face type of, you know, everybody gang <laughs> gangway down to the ring type of thing, you know, you know that all the good guys are coming from one side yeah. and all the bad guys are coming from the other. <clears throat> Which, you know, was actually pretty ingenious. I remember seeing on some of the early TNA pay-per-view DVDs some of the behind-the-scenes videos of the competitors before they actually walked out. You know, through the little tube way, if you will. Because <laughs> it was some weird, like, round tube leading out into the arena. Yeah, the, they used to have it set up. I can't remember which WrestleMania it was, but there was the one where Stone Cold, uh, <laughs> it, oh God, it's the one where they had the Austin 316 on like the hexagon shaped glass and he like sat in like a tube for almost the entire show, or at least that's what they wanted you to think when really there was a door and he, anyway, but then they, they literally for, for the glass shatters, which is the name of his theme song. Yeah. As soon as it hits, they literally broke the glass and he walks out of a hexagon shaped tube. They essentially took the hexagon tube and set it up to be the, uh, the entrance ramp. And the reason being was because it actually 
not only did it add to the look, <clears throat> excuse me, to the look of the entrances, but at the same time, it also made it easier to, you know, do certain like pyrotechnics and stuff too, because a lot of the stuff was no more than like a mist type of thing, <laughs> you know, and maybe a like, few flashes of fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There might have been a few fireworks, but most of it was essentially there was like a fog machine or something like that. And yeah. They'd have it set to do like a giant like steam spray and crap like that. And, you know, it, it, like Samoa Joe's entrance. Samoa Joe, uh, whenever they did his entrance after TNA jumped over to uh, Spike TV, I'm trying to think of what it was before it was Spike. Because if I remember correctly, they jumped right around the time that uh, Spike was actually changing themselves to be Spike TV. Wasn't it just called TNT, something like that, or TNN? Yeah, it was. It was just TNN. Because TNN had uh, Monday Night Raw, and then once they dumped Monday Night Raw, it changed over to Spike, I think. And that's when... No, no, you're right, you're right, because uh, I'm trying to think, because uh, it was a... Uh... No, because I could have sworn that TNN was... TNN had WCW, because then it was something like WWE ended up moving over to USA. No, WCW had TBS and TNT. That's what it was, yes, yeah. they had TNT, and then, okay. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Okay. No, you're right, I'm wrong. Yeah, TNN was what Spike TV was before, but Jesus I think it was... Christ, I'm old now. But, you, just, uh, you just said all that, and now my mind's working, and instantly I feel like I'm using a rotary phone. But, uh... Like... Uh, <laughs> a little bit after Spike TV changed... Well, changed its name to Spike TV, that's when they picked up uh, the TNA Impact from the Fox Sports Net, I guess sometime after Raw left them. And actually, the uh, shows what well, I wrote down. I had a bunch of notes wrote down from what I looked up. Uh, TNA Impact debuted on Spike TV October 1st, 2005. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that actually sounds about right, too. And, and that's a weird thing. It's like, okay, the very first uh, NWA TNA pay-per-view weekly show started June 19th, 2002. It goes to the Fox Sports Network's TNA Impact on June 4th, 2004, and then 2005 it goes to Spike. So they were going, they were going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think though. Because, like I said, I, I know once once they were able to get everything up, like I said, you know, because they never really, I think it was about that time was what you're thinking of for uh, uh, the entrance ramp. Because it used to be that all it was was it was like two ramps and they had it like set up like a, it was a square archway that you would go through. Kind of like how the WWE has it set up for like Monday Night Raw and that type of stuff. Oh, oh when you or bring it, up the WWE... I remember one show specifically where they did have two entrances kind of side-by-side, just not on separate sides of the ring, but that was at their Invasion pay-per-view. One entrance had the WWF wrestlers coming out, and the other one had the WCW-ECW wrestlers coming out. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, that that actually sounds really familiar, too, yeah. 
God. When we talk about TNA, there's many things that we need to talk about when we bring the letters TNA. Well, besides them, tits and ass. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> WWE was running TNA matches, although uh, technically they were called HLA. But, but that's neither here nor there. But when we bring up TNA, we have to bring up the ring. Because when it started off as TNA with the NWA pick weekly pay-per-views, it started off as a normal squared ring. But when it, yep. was, it, it was the normal four-sider, yep. which is actually uh, how they invented. Uh, the, that's where they got the uh, setup for... Uh, um, oh, God. What it is kinda, it? I can it, never think of the... It kind of helped them with the, starting off with the Ultimate X match. Yep, Ultimate X. That's what I was trying to think of. I don't know why I couldn't friggin' think of that. And then once they went to the six-sided ring, then it kind of went really crazy. Yep, exactly. But then when Hulk Hogan came in, they brought, yep. they changed it back to a square ring, which pissed off a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. It, it actually, I was one of those people that it pissed off because, you know, the six-sider was innovative. You know, it, when it comes right down to it, and Scott knows this from experience, and so do I, when it comes down to working a ring, in order to get the turnbuckles right, and, and this is, again, pulling back the curtain, nine times out of ten, you end up taking a wrench or a screwdriver or something, and you put it in the actual turnbuckle itself, and, you know, exactly like it says, you turn the buckle to tighten everything. Well, when it comes down to an actual six-sided ring, because the angles aren't at a 90-degree angle for, you know, the you know square rectangular ring, because, yes, there actually are some rings that are rectangular, and that's absolutely retarded, but... Excuse me. When it comes down to it, like... <clears throat> because the corners weren't at a 90-degree angle, for some people, it, it was harder to deal with, because... In order to increase it to an actual hexagon, the angles have to go from being 90 degrees, and now I'm getting into math, and I know I'm boring some of you guys, <laughs> but it, it's got to go from being a 90 degree, a 90 degree, to a uh, 120 or 130 or something like that. So I don't know. Just putting these rings together is a can be a pain in the ass. Well, not so much a pain in the ass. They still use roughly the exact same materials for when it comes down to the ropes. So the ropes are actually way tighter. Setup is a lot easier because you don't actually have to spend like 10 minutes doing one corner in order to get all three of the ropes set up and tightened. Because in order to set up and tear down a ring, you actually have to hook up each and every single one. And then after you hook up each of the ropes, then you have to, you know, go through and tighten everything after the ropes are on whereas with this there's really not much tightening or untightening that needs done you really only just need enough on one corner in order to get it just loose enough that you can take off the one side and then the rest of it falls apart same thing with setup so long as you know which one's the one that's loosened up you hook that bad boy up tighten it you're done but like i said because of the angle and because of the fact that they're still using essentially the exact same amount of materials regardless. So we'll say that a normal, here's the easy way to do it. You have a, a 20 by 20 sized ring. Okay. 
then that means you need 20 square foot worth of steel cable in order to make up the ring ropes. Same thing here. Regardless of the size of the six foot, you know, if we say it's still a 20 foot, then you still have 20 square feet of cable in order to make up the ropes. Therefore, the ropes were actually tighter. That's how a lot of the guys were able to do some of the high flying and stuff. Yeah. Like, like the ultimate X better. stuff. Mm hmm. Exactly, because you get like AJ or, and PD. Actually, you should and, say the X Division stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to say the X Division stuff, which is, you know, essentially. High flyers. They were able. To, well, I was about to say that's that's how they were able to propel themselves up to be on WWE's level. You know, you, you get AJ, you get PD, you get Shark Boy, you get Samoa Joe, <laughs> you, know, you, you get Christopher Boy. Daniels, you get all these guys sitting out in the ring. And when it was the four-sided ring, they would do crazy stuff, but, it, like, it wasn't as cool as once they got the six-sider. Because, yes, it's a little bit harder to get used to. Because, like I said, a 90-degree, you could keep your feet together better. But because they were able to get their feet wider and actually be on tighter ropes, they could, like, literally springboard off, like, the middle of the fucking ropes and just, like, fly to the other side of a 20-foot ring. You know, it, it was absolutely insane. So, you know? so sounds like Undertaker would have a an easy day walking the ropes in TNA with a six-sided ring. Yep, Exactly. Because, you know, a lot of what Undertaker was doing was essentially the exact same thing that you do when people are walking like a tightrope. You know, the, the tighter the line is, the easier it is to do. Now, at the same time, the tighter it is, the less room you have for error. Because it's not exactly weeble wobbling and, you know, you can't just change your equilibrium, you know, at a glance. Yeah. You actually have to be very precise with what you're doing. But like I said, with the fact of the ropes being so tightened, like, I remember there was one of the matches... They put the belt up. They were going across the X line. And I think it was like Samoa Joe was going across it. And like AJ Styles ended up being the one fighting him. And he literally like AJ like goes from he goes from the ring apron, jumps to like the middle of the top rope and bounces and ends up like hitting Samoa Joe or maybe it was the other way around. Like, Joe ended up jumping from the middle. I think it was. It was Joe. He ended up jumping from the middle and ended up spearing AJ because he was able to use the fact that the ropes were so tight to his advantage to actually hit him from, like, the middle of the ring as he's suspended from a cable that's, like, 20 feet in the frickin' air, which is probably an exaggeration because they always did that crap. Yeah. Again, 15-foot blue steel cage. Need I say more? <laughs> Uh, yeah, when, <coughs> when TNA brought back the squared ring, it was, uh, at Genesis, the, their Genesis pay-per-view back in 2010, and on that night, Hogan was talking about, you know, no longer will TNA be using a playpen, which, once again, pissed people off, but, okay. but TNA, TNA took note of what happened with the fans, and for some idiot reason, it took only until last year for them to bring back the six sides, which... Oh, did they finally? Which seems a little bit too late to bring in, concerned it's kind of dying off. Yeah, exactly. 
hell, they probably brought it back because it is dying, and they figured if they bring back the old gimmick of the six-sider, then not only will that bring back in some of the older fans that ended up leaving after they went back to the four-sided, so that way then you have Scott Steiner and Christian, you know, Hulk Hogan and different... Excuse me. <laughs> my house, my rules, I'm smoking. Um, well, well, technically... But we'll... yeah, you, you could get a bunch of, like, the older guys to come back. Like, of course, everybody knows the old... Uh, Steiner botch. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait. Do you realize how many Steiner botches there are, though? That's true, but I'm talking about the big one, the one where Christian ends up showing back up, only he shows up in TNA. It's him and Scott Steiner, and Christian ends up going to hit him from behind. He trips, barely nudges him, and Steiner, like, jumps from, like, the end of the ramp five to ten feet forward to slam his face into the ring. Uh, like, oversold it. I, 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 I've seen a worse one where Steiner tries <clears> to <throat> jump off the apron onto somebody ringside and just trips, slips his foot while trying to jump. And didn't even touch the guy. I can believe that. Like I said, Christian, like, barely nudged him, like, grazed him with a pinky, and, you know, Steiner took it, like, you know... Goku just flipped, flicked him in the back with, you know, <laughs> just like, oh god, flying! Like, it was ridiculous. Now, you brought up Ultimate X, and we did say it did debut, you know, when they had this the squared ring normally, which was one of the weekly pay-per-views back in 2003. But from there, they did they they tried different ways to improve it. One of which was called Elevation X. Yep. Which they more or less tried to make it a scaffold type match. And as far as I know, there was only, I think, two Elevation X matches. And I think both of them involved the involved Rhino. Yeah, yeah, that one wouldn't surprise me. But with the whole I know Rhino was actually he was trying to keep up with them because if I remember correctly, Rhino actually started out. I'm probably wrong, and the fans can because this gets posted to YouTube as well. Um, you can always you know comment below if yeah, you're try, watching. Try this to correct us if we got something wrong. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can take the show with us and listen to us offline while you're at work, which I don't recommend with me swearing the way I do. It's <laughs> not what. Try, yeah. try to get headphones. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say headphones, put in a Bluetooth, something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's it's one of those things where somebody can correct me. But if I remember correctly, Rhino started out in ECW. Mm-hmm. And, ow. Damn it, I hit the coffee table with my foot. Anyway. Yeah, he went from ECW to... Yeah, he went from ECW to WWF at the time. Yeah. And then once he got into TNA, like, I guess something sparked in him like it was back in the old days of ECW. So he was actually trying to get on level with the guys that actually were in the X Division. Because, they're like, don't get me wrong, there were guys that could hold good classic-style wrestling matches, but technically TNA's big claim to fame was the X Division. 
you know, Mick Foley in the Hardcore Diaries even pointed it out that he had a meeting with both Jeff Jarrett and with Vince McMahon and told both of them, he goes, look, I'm not picking sides here. I just want to see, you know, good wrestlers get their due. And he told both of them, he said, you guys need to sign either CM Punk or Samoa Joe to your ranks. And WWE took up CM Punk and didn't do anything with him for a while. They just kind of sat on top of him before they finally released him out to, you know, out to the fans and everything. Because uh, Punk was actually a, uh, uh, well, of course, growing up in Chicago, you know, he's an Illinois guy like we are. <laughs> but no joke, he, he used to wrestle for Mid-South at the time, if I remember correctly. So he would actually come to some of the Mid-South shows that were around this way, you know. Or maybe it was Mid... It might have been Midwest. I, I, I know... I heard that Seth Rollins was an actual local guy, too. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I do believe he was. Yeah, Seth Rollins was a local guy. Seth Rollins, who's currently the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Yep. Yep, but, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, no, like, uh, Mick Foley, like, like I said, he reached out to both of them. He said, look, you guys got to get these guys. They're really good. You know, they just trust me on this. And, of course, TNA picked up Samoa Joe, and with Joe and Shark Boy and... Were you I laughing? I, at I, I can't help but laugh at when, when, when Shark Boy gets brought up. <laughs> I can't help it, man. Shark Boy was awesome. Like, like before he donned the 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 Stone Cold persona, because him and I can't <laughs> the other guy. That's the why. other guy was a showman thing. Well, I know everybody gives him all kinds of shit for doing up the Stone Cold thing, but like I'd mentioned before, Stone Cold even reached out to Shark Boy, and he was like, "Kid, you're making me want to get back in the ring, and I cannot physically get back in the ring." Like, that's how well he was playing off the gimmick. But back before that, you know, back when he was just wearing the shark mask and, you know, essentially a one-piece blue jumpsuit type of thing, like, you know, Shark Boy was freaking awesome, you know. And like I said, you know, you, you get all these guys, you know, you get AJ, you get Shark Boy, you know, you got Christopher Daniels, you got AJ, uh, you got Petey. You got all these guys out there doing all kinds of crazy flips and maneuvers, you know, jumping off of everything they can find to jump off of. Like, even Joe was running around like he was a featherweight. Like, that was amazing. Like, that was kind of... I I, I remember him jumping around a lot, but not, not not as much as a lightweight guy does. I mean, he did have some weight to him. Well, yeah, but that's because he's Samoan, and sadly, that's one of those things that comes with being Samoan. Like, I think the only reason that The Rock isn't, you know, a 600-pound dude like Rikishi got to, which, again, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. Like, the only reason why The Rock didn't get as big as Rikishi did was because he had his dad's good genes in him, and he was able to, you know, work out and keep up with everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even though Joe works out, you know, it's it's actually genetically designed. You know what I mean? Like, it's in his actual physical makeup. 
Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure one of the reasons why it is I'm such a lard ass isn't because I sit around and eat McDonald's and, you know, three boxes of Twinkies. <laughs> you know, it, it's nothing like that. Although, don't get me wrong, that does contribute. But I there's pictures of my dad from when he was back in high school. And he was a big kid. You know what I mean? He was a big dude, just like I am. You know, my my grandfather on my dad's side was a big guy. Uh, my dad was a big guy up until he, you know, started dieting and exercising uh, a little around his senior year, junior, senior year of high school. And got himself to a point where, you know, he was able to keep some of the weight off. You know, my mom was a bigger woman. My brother's a bigger dude. I'm a bigger dude. You know, sadly, sometimes, you know, being a heavier person, it just kind of comes with the genes, you know. But like I said, you know, the fact that Samoa Joe was a bigger guy and like I said, the fact that he's able to keep up with all these, you know, featherweights running in circles, man, you know, that that's one of those things that inspired me and a bunch of my friends to actually try to jump in the ring and do this shit, you know. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Samoa Joe was one of my heavy influences on why it is me and my friends got into backyard wrestling. You know, we seen Joe go out and, you know, he'd take the Canadian Destroyer. A move where quite literally he has to do a backflip and make sure he at least lands on the like the corner of the crown of his head. So essentially like the top of his forehead near his, you know, hairline. And for a big dude, believe me, doing a backflip is a pain in the ass. You know? Yeah, I remember I remember having to take quite a few flips that were some were easy, some weren't. But uh, going back to Ultimate X yeah, no, I got way the hell off topic. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to Ultimate X, quite a bit of the Ultimate X matches were single, well, not single, but for single titles or shots at titles, but they did start at No Surrender 2006, where they did start at the tag team titles for the yep. Ultimate X matches, which was an interesting way to go about it. I mean... Well, it's one of those things where at the time they really didn't have any tag teams. Like, I, I'm not even joking. If I remember correctly, almost everybody was, you know, looking out for themselves and, you know, screw there everybody some factions else. factions out know. there, like Team Canada. Well, but. well, yeah, but you know what I mean, though. Like, like, like you said, there was a few factions, but it wasn't exactly like tag team. It was, you know, every, everybody and their brother trying to cash in on stuff like, you know, DX or NWO or stuff like that, where essentially they had, like, a stable of dudes that would, you know, all walk out to the ring together and, you know, cheer on the other guys. He's standing outside wrestling, you know, it, it, well, standing outside. <laughs> as he's in the ring wrestling and they're standing outside of the ring cheering him on, you know. Now, also <sighs> with TNA, they had some great match ideas like the Ultimate X. And, yeah, but let's... I got three of them listed here, three match types to bring up. One is King of the Mountain, that also started during the weekly TNA NWA pay-per-views shows in 2004. Now, do you remember nope. the do you remember the rules for this? <clears throat> Not completely. If if I remember correctly, wasn't it like a uh, a uh, three fall? Like like it was like a best out of three series. Nope. Somehow, I remember this. 
you <laughs> bear with me. There might be a few things wrong, but uh, you have to pin your opponent. Then you had a certain amount of time to climb up a ladder and put the belt on a strap hanging above. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I think some of the early ones, the people who got pinned had to put be, be put in a pin or something. Actually, that one wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I but... remember there was some weird stipulation to it, like they had to do, they had to do some form of a task, and then after they'd done that, then they could get out the ladder and then try to climb it and yeah. go for the belt or whatever yeah, else. You, you had to pin your opponent. The opponent had to be either put away or whatever, and then you had to get the ladder up there, then you had to climb the ladder and put the belt on the little strap thing, or hanging thing. And yep, because like most uh, ladder matches, they ended up, uh, a lot of the times they would end up using the old gimmick of you set the ladder across your opponent's throat, <laughs> and then climb up the ladder. Oh no, I'm not even joking, like you use the ladder to pin your opponent down so when they can't get up. But then, of course, you know, they always would make sure that they would get to about the mid ring, of, like the middle rung of the ladder. And then they, before they would push up the ladder and tip it, yeah. Now, into the fans, yeah. One person who was really known for this match is Jeff Jarrett. Uh huh. And just recently, I think the last, uh, might have been the last actual, I don't know if it, they, TNA still has pay per views or not, but the last big TNA event, Jeff Jarrett came back. To compete in a King of the Mountain match. Nice. And I think he actually won it. <clears throat> but actually, well, that one wouldn't surprise me. But originally, when he came back to do this uh, King of the Mountain match, he was originally just be, he was brought back to more or less spread the word of his new wrestling promotion. He's doing this Global Force Wrestling, which some guys from the TNA Impact Wrestling is going to be brought over. So, I don't know if it's going to be like TNA 2.0 or what. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying that, because 9 times out of 10, and again, I'm going to break subject here, but 9 times out of 10, if you have a company that's failing, what you do is, you know, you file for bankruptcy, and then after you file for bankruptcy, one of the ways around it is, uh... okay, this is going to sound ridiculous, but... <laughs> You file for bankruptcy, you have a family member take over for the business and that, because, of course, once you file for bankruptcy, then they give you a bunch of money to pay off, you know, all of your debts and everything. Now, after you've paid off the debts and everything, then you essentially you give the business to another family member, and thus you're still in control of your business, but because you filed for bankruptcy, you know, since you filed for bankruptcy, you can't be in charge of the company but since the family member is the one that owns it, you can still help call the shots because, you know, you essentially know more about the business than anybody else. <laughs> Same thing happens in wrestling all the time, like especially with local feds and crap like that. Like you end up, the local feds will get up a ring. They'll get a bunch of the guys together. Everybody will chip in in order to, you know, pay for the venue like, uh, a lot of the shows that I used to go to were the ones that were held over at the, uh, uh, the Bellevue uh, hardware store. They would, go, <laughs> they would go down in the old gym because you could rent out that gym for X amount of time. 
you pay them like that's the place where uh, Midwest Impact Pro does some shows at yep and you know this this was back in the days of NGW when I would go to the shows and essentially you would show they would show up they would set up the ring they would get up a couple scaffolds you know set it up as a curtain so that way the guys Uh could have their own chain and everything there's still one scaffold in the building is there yeah nice we 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 keep talking about maybe using it during a match we keep we keep we keep bullshitting around about it about using it for a match yeah yeah i was about to say back uh, back when ian started touring around in a uh down at uh, the plaza they actually they used the scaffold one night and it was funny because i can't remember who it was uh um if I describe him, you'll know. It was Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson came out doing his gimmick. No clue. And uh, he he literally, as part of it, he climbed up the scaffold a bit for his entrance and ended up, like, jumping off of it and, like, slam dunking because, of course, it's a natural gym, so there's, like, a, a <laughs> basketball hoops. So he, like, slam dunked his towel or an actual basketball or something through the hoop and then went and got in the ring type of thing because they were using the scaffold for like a later match or something but yeah no like like no joke like that's all it takes you know you get the ring you get the guys you set everything up and then after a while if you get sick of dealing with you know taking tickets selling concessions paying everybody you know dealing with the cleanup because of course when you rent out the venue you're the one in charge of cleanup so if the fans show up and spit gum and you know, throw soda cans everywhere and, you know, throw candy wrappers, what have you, all over the place. You know, eat half a hot dog, smear ketchup on the wall. You know, <laughs> not going to lie, I've seen that a couple times at certain shows. People are jackasses. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, you know, they're the ones in charge of cleanup and everything. And, you know, after a while, once you get sick of dealing with that crap and, Taking it on the road, you know, set up, ring set up, ring tear down, getting, you know, getting everything situated. You know, like I said, after a while, you just kind of get sick of it and, you know, then they pass it off to somebody else. Now, once they pass off that responsibility to somebody else, whether it be giving them the ring or selling them the rights to the company or whatnot, they can still be a part of it. They can still participate. They're just not in charge of all the BS that goes along with it of, you know renting out a venue or <clears throat> clean up, paying the guys, you know, admissions, tickets, concessions, you know, merch. Yeah. Ain't got to worry about none of that. You know, so it, it wouldn't surprise me. If TNA's starting to go under, he probably, you know, actually did sell the company to somebody. It was like, I'm tired of dealing with setting up venues and everything. We're not getting as many viewers as we used to. We're not getting as much, you know, endorsement deals, nothing like that. I can't turn a profit on the company anymore. You know, you know, you take it, you know, whoever he got rid of it to, let them run it, and then went off on his own and went back to the indie circuit for a while because, you know, a lot of the guys, they love doing it. They just get sick of the BS of, you know, actually running the business. You know, the business end ends up killing the fun. That's how it always is, no matter what you do. Which kind of sucks. Yeah, kind of does, but back to TNA. <laughs> I know. Uh, 
long metaphor to <laughs> get to the point I'm trying to make. Back to TNA. This next thing is kind of uh, the the pay per view itself, the yearly pay per view, and a match during it. The pay per view itself is lockdown. Mm-hmm. Where the whole premise of lockdown was to have every match take place inside of a steel cage. Yep. And the actual. In fact, wasn't it a? I can't remember. I I want to say it was in like. Oh six or oh seven, because I remember I was still in high school. They ended up they deciding to bring back the, uh, um, well something we've touched on from WCW. Um, they brought back like the three stages of hell or whatever, like like. With, you know I'm talking about the cage and the cage and the cage, but well, that's what I was gonna get to. Um, ah. Lockdown. Jumping the pay- gun. The, the <laughs> yeah, the pay-per-view <laughs> lockdown started in 2005. Now I think, like you said, it was probably like the year after or the year after that they started mm-hmm. the lethal lockdown, which was a that's what it a, was kind of a parody <laughs> of the War Games match. Yep. They just lowered a roof down on it for the War Games match type match though. Yeah, yeah, uh, they lowered down a roof. Which had some um, weapons and stuff on it. Well, yeah, the roof had weapons on it. I know later on, after a while, not only did they lower a roof, but the roof had, like, a smaller cage on top of it. Like a uh, a 7-foot or an 8-foot cage on top of that. I don't remember that. It was something weird. It, it was, they lowered it down. You had to climb, like, they literally, you had to get a ladder. After you got the ladder, you would go up, climb through a hole, and then there'd be a smaller cage that you could fight in. That's a more detail than I remember. (laughs) I don't know. I'm probably remembering it wrong. My memory's not what it used to be. I know some of the lethal lockdowns. They actually did have like a little gap where people slipped out of and onto the top and started doing some uh, fighting up there. And at some maybe point, that's what I'm thinking of. Like I said, it yeah. it was almost like a hell in a cell. Yeah, kind of was type type of topper. And like like you said, you know, they could climb. You can climb out because I remember they would like fight on top of it as well. Because then you would start to think that it was going to be like Hell in a Cell, where somebody was going to like jump times. off of it and do crazy stuff. Or... I think maybe only three or four times that kind of happened, where something happened on top of it and on to the outside. Most of the time, it was involving, I think, AJ Styles, though. So <laughs> at least we knew it was a guy who was able to take a bump the right way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the the, lead, the 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 whole lockdown pay per view idea. <laughs> was great i mean oh yeah it, i mean oh yeah with it was definitely WWE, one of the great the wwe how they always try to do their so-called cage matches and they try to hold back or cover up the blood but with tna when they have lockdown they show the blood oh and, yeah and when they change from six sides to a normal squared ring again they still kept mm-hmm. the cages up they just it wasn't called six sides of uh, the six-sided cell anymore. Six sides of steel, that's what it was. Six sides of steel. Yep. yep, six sides of steel. But then they just kept the cages up. And I know at one point there was a... They, they did a weird 
weird one when it was a uh, Team 3D against LAX. They they it was supposed to be electrified. I remember that it was supposed to be, but actually it not really was. They just acted like it was until that. Yeah, like, they they acted like it was. Added in a, some special effects and crap. And and sometimes when they grab the top, they forget. Oh wait, it's supposed to be electrified. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that now there's one other, I guess, specialty match type that I can bring up. Which you might remember this, you might not. It it wasn't. It happened through I think maybe a few pay-per-views and quite a bit on the the TV series. It was the feast or fired match. Yeah, I don't remember that. I know it sounds familiar, and I know it's one of those things that was like big when it came around to uh, the days of a. Uh, um, why can't I freaking think of his name? It, it debuted at the 2007 turning point. You had four briefcases held on poles. Three of them had title matches. The other one was a pink slip. Yep. Yep, so, that's right. Yeah. And we lost a... It seems like a lot of times when the pink slip was revealed, it was more or less an X-Division superstar or X-Division wrestler. Yeah. Because I think we uh, lost that uh, one... Uh, Who's that one with the red and yellow... Uh, shoot. What was his name? The one with the red and yellow. It wasn't Hogan. It was an X-Division guy who wore a mask that was red and yellow. Sometimes he was played by Christopher Daniels, but... Oh! oh spicy, hot, spicy hot guy, whatever. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it, it was Daniel's persona from when he was over in Japan. Uh, Daniel's actually used to wrestle over in uh, uh, the big Japanese companies. What was that character's name, though? Ah. <laughs> Shoot. Okay, I might drop the call. Give me, like, two seconds. I'll look it up. No, 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 just, no, no, no. Just keep talking. We're almost done, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you can try not to get disconnect. Try not to. <laughs> well, I actually had to reset my phone before we started this because it ended up screwing up on me. Like, uh, my keypad ended up locking itself. So I literally had to pull the battery and pop it back in because, like, the phone completely locked. So to those listening and watching this, uh, we the call, this uh, recording has been uh, dropped since it's recording during a Skype call because of a... Seth has been digging too far into his phone. Yeah, yeah, I was actually about to say that's probably something we should bring up to uh, new listeners. Yeah, um, this is being recorded by a Skype call. Yeah, we we do it via Skype call because it's twenty times easier. Yeah, case, uh, because Seth nine times always... out of ten, I don't have the gas money to make it over to Scotty's. Yeah, but when we talk about Christopher Daniels being another character. He was also suicide for a while, too. Yep. But then again, so was, uh, Kaz was suicide for a while, too, and then... Mm -hmm. Lately, it's been this whole new guy. Although, lately, he had his name changed because, apparently, the name Suicide isn't exactly great for, I guess, 
Curry Curry Man. Curry Man, that's the name of the character. Curry Man. (laughs) He's spicy, he's Curry Man, that's right. Because, yeah, because like I said, uh, Curry Man uh, was his alter ego from back when he used to wrestle over in uh, Japan. I can't remember which division he was in, but I know it was literally one of the big guns. Like, it was essentially their version of the WWE. Because that's where Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, he actually came from the Jap circuit. He went over there to wrestle quite a few times. Um, One of the first times that we saw him over in the WWF was as the fake Diesel. Yep. And there was one other role that he played that he doesn't like and nobody really likes talking about, and that's as that weird dentist. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) But when we go to... When we bring up suicide... But again, at the same time, it, sorry to cut you off, but it's, <laughs> I, I just got to bring it up, though. It's it's one of those things where, you know, without, you know, him being Kane and, of course, Undertaker and everything, then you wouldn't end up with guys like uh, Abyss yeah. over in TNA either. Well, Abyss kind of cares from Mankind <clears throat> as well, too. Yeah, yeah, actually he did. He pulled quite a bit from Mankind as well. Like, uh, uh, he started doing, like, this... I'm insane gimmick and was quite literally pulling his own hair out. And, oh, and talking about specialty matches, Abyss was always doing these monster ball matches. Yep, yeah, that's actually what I was about to say, was the monster's ball. Yeah, he... Those things were always ridiculous, like, uh... They had all kinds of weapons and stuff. Yep. And I was about to say, and I, I can't remember the name of, uh... I can't remember the name of the guy who used to manage him. Oh, oh, that guy. The guy yeah. who, we, who who used to manage Mikey Whipwreck during the later times of ECW. Yep, exactly. Uh, but, uh, because they kind of did, like, a Paul Bearer thing with him where, you know, I'm your father and, you know, got well, rid actually, of him. He, and, he did reveal that later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but like I said, it's it's one of those things where, you know, back in the early days, I remember they used to run around and, he would have like uh, uh, I can't think of what it's called. It's like some sort of like phosphate. The it's a, it's essentially it's flash paper because they used to use it all the time. But then like there was one incident where somebody didn't realize it was coming and it almost got in his eyes mm-hmm. or it did get in his eyes. I can't oh, remember, you mean the fireball in the face? Yep. Okay. And it messed him up a bit, and then they kind of stopped doing it. Mm. But what I was going to bring up with Suicide was the reason he got brought into Team A was because of their video game. Yep. Uh, the video game itself was called TNA Impact, which we kind of brought up earlier that AJ Styles and Smojo did some motion capture for. Yep, they did mocap for literally everybody. They, they were the only two people that actually did anything. Like, every single... Every single one of the moves that was done was done by either Joe or AJ. Which probably explains why the moves are so limited. Well, yes and no. Um, that That's not so much a reason as to why everything was limited. The reason why it was limited was because, if I remember correctly, they didn't have a deal with an actual, like, licensed company. But it was made like, by well, Midway. Was it? Yeah, I thought Midway had, a, had was involved in it. 
I don't know. I can look it up or the fans can correct me. Yeah, I remember it being Midway because I remember what, for working at GameStop, I remember looking at the cover for so freaking long. <laughs> well, Midway was involved with it. But then again, you know, TNA was... Well, what they did with the TNA video game was definitely a different uh, different version, different thing to play with a, a wrestling video game. Yeah. And the plus side to the TNA... No, no, you were right. It was Midway. So, yeah, that's that was the reason. Okay. No, because... Uh, um, who was it? It was Ukes and somebody else were always the ones in charge of, like... The WWE ones. All the WWE games, yeah, until they moved it over to the 2K games. And most of those were THQ for a while, and then THQ Mm -hmm. went under, and then it became 2K Sports, I think, or 2K Games, or at least a branch of 2K. Yep, exactly. And which, when they were run by, you know, THQ, every single game, regardless of which version you were playing or any of it, like, they almost always played the exact same. Whereas Midway, in which we all know, is heavy heavy for their fighting games especially Mortal Kombat wait 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 which wait. was you know that that was part of the problem you well, know they, they kind of were involved with Mortal Kombat but then again I thought that was a claim as well I think it might be both though claim and midway because I know a claim was involved well, with the yeah, I was about to say, Acclaim was in for, was in it near the beginning, but then Acclaim ended up stopping because then they started doing, and this is going to sound ridiculous, they started doing MMOs. They, they switched over to being like an online game company because Acclaim was actually in charge of the game that Bill and I used to play all the time, like me, Bill, and a bunch of the other guys. It was called Nine Dragons, and it was actually a pretty fun game. But if I remember correctly, then they switched. This would have been around the time of a. Uh, oh, what is it? It would have been around or a little after Armageddon. I think. Then yeah. again, I could be completely wrong. Which Armageddon? Which, do what? Which Armageddon? Oh, uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay. I was gonna yeah. say you bring up Armageddon on a wrestling show. It's like. Which oh, one? <laughs> yeah, no, my bad. It, in my head, the line of questioning and the, the thought pattern worked out where I didn't have to explain. But, yeah, no. Um, TNA game. Like, literally, it, it, it switched over to uh, Midway for Mortal Kombat Armageddon, like somewhere around there. But like I said, because they had been doing all of the Mortal Kombats and everything for a while there, that's kind of where the problem came into. Yeah, like, it did feel a lot more... Fighting than wrestling. Exactly. But on plus side, they did have the Ultimate X match in the game. Yep. Which, at least with the Ultimate X match in the game, you don't have problems like there was before. Where I remember, I can't, I think it was one of the pay-per-views. They literally didn't even have the fucking match. And everybody was pissed off and disappointed. The reason they didn't have the match, they hung the belt to the line... And the belt fell off. Somebody jumped on top of the belt. And the ref tried to be like, well, I guess they win. And, like, somebody else came out and they were like, no, redo it. 
Yeah, I think they, that was that was one of the might have been one of the early pay per views. I can't remember if it was a pay per view, if it was a house or, or well, not a house show, but like one of, one of the TV shows. No, one, me- one of the televised events. I, I remember one of the TNA. I think this was, this was one during one of the early TNA pay per views. The the Ultimate X was uh, for the shot at the X Division title, but mm-hmm. the person won it by catching the little red X. Yep, because... yep, that's that's exactly what it was. I was wrong. It wasn't the belt. It was the X. Yeah, the person they hung was it underneath up. the two arguing and trying to grab it, and it's like, oh. Hey, I got it. <laughs> yeah, no, the X fell, and they were like, what just happened? And somebody literally, like, just being a smartass, jumped down and grabbed it, the X, and was like, I win. And they were like, no, you oh, redo wait, wait, it. No, no, this is two different situations. I remember. Was it? The the X uh, was caught by Petey Williams during one of the early Ultimate X matches. The other one, I think AJ Styles was trying to die for the title, but accidentally punched it off the thing. Really? I, I think so. I don't know, because the, the one that I'm talking about was the start of the match. Like, quite literally, it, the match starts... But but they did go grab every, the talent like, and restart it, it's like, it, so... It was like four four or six dudes. I can't remember how many. But there That's was four or six dudes. most of the matches were. Yeah. But there was four or six dudes. They're in the middle of the ring. Everybody's like doing a whole bunch of you know shit talking and everything. And the, you know they ring the bell. They go to start the match, and all of a sudden it falls. And like I said, I can't remember if it was the X or if it was the belt, but it fell. So they hung it back up. And after they hung it back up, they restarted the match. They went to go do it, and it fell again. And when it fell, somebody had grabbed it. Like the the somebody like either got hit or had a wild hair up their ass, and they were watching it. And it fell, and they jumped and grabbed it, and they were just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're not dealing with this tonight. You win. I I, I still think that's two instances because the, the one where it was just the X was Petey Williams that caught it and won it. The other one I did I think did involve AJ Styles accidentally knocking the belt off, and they did put the belt back up. But I don't Actually, remember that, who won that sounds match. about right. But I don't remember who won the the title match though. That's the weird thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, there's something else that TNA tried to do. TNA tried to, I guess, restart the Monday Night War. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, it was in January 2010, back when uh they got. Hogan to be part of it, they started a, I don't, I don't think it was that many episodes, but they had some episodes taking place the same night as Raw. <clears throat> well, there, there, no. Hmm? No, I, I don't know if that's what they were doing. I know they were trying to do that, but it would, uh, I thought it was around the time that they had Hogan, though. Okay, we lost, we lost knew you. this was going to happen. <laughs> but where did I leave off in the story? Was it about the time where Billy Gunn and them were showing up to the events and being like, hey, Vince, come on out and face us? Was that where I was at? No, I actually cut it off before then. Really? 
Because the last thing I said was they start the Monday Night Wars again but when TNA had Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that's right, because the last thing I remember was I was like, no, I don't think they did. And you were like, wait, what? And yeah, I went off on a tangent, but... No, no if I'm remembering they... it correctly, they had Billy Gunn and somebody else showing up, because it was around the time that they had uh, reformed DX for, like, the seventh time. And uh, it was Billy Gunn, and I think it was one of the other guys that was in DX that was over in TNA at the time. Uh, I think what you're talking about is the... It was a... Uh, well... He wasn't, they weren't called the guys that they were over in WWE, but it was the Billy Gunn and Road Dog. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was Billy Gunn and Road Dog, and they would show up to, like, the, the Monday Night Raw events because at the time they knew that they couldn't compete with uh, Monday Night Raw's uh, ratings. So if I remember correctly, they were trying to start up the Monday Night Wars, but they were trying to do it something weird, like they were trying to compete with SmackDown or something like that. Like it yeah. was weird as hell. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're probably right. They actually were doing a few of them where a they few. were. They, they didn't stay there that long. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, because, you know, even though me and the guys were all giant fans of, uh, you know, we, we were all giant fans of both of them. Yeah, I'm going to have to hold off on this conversation. I just got a text from a friend of mine. Um. But, uh, yeah, they, they were trying to compete with them and couldn't. So then they decided that they would start sending Road Dog and Billy Gunn to go and show up. And, like, they, they would buy tickets and go down into the arena and, you know, start trying to cause troubles, being like, come fight with TNA. Come on, do it. You ain't nothing but a bunch of pansies anyway. Come on, fight with us. I think I'm I think I remember something well, something like this. It, not exactly the way you were saying it, but uh, TNA did this weird, weird sketch where a fake Vince McMahon and fake Triple H showed up at the Universal <laughs> Universal place and was looking for a certain tape that they were going to show at the pay-per-view where some of the TNA guys were going over where... Because the WWE were filming uh, some things for their uh, Royal Rumble pay-per-view commercials at the time. I actually uh, remember this slightly. Yeah, uh, the it, it was the Royal Rumble commercials where they were doing like the West Side Story type of stuff. Yep. And uh, yeah, they, it's like a, I know Road Dog, Road Dog's guy was there with the mm -hmm. TNA group. Uh, I think they even had Abyss with them somehow, which is really weird. But, yeah, there was a few guys there that went with them. They went to where they were shooting this stuff, and one guy actually came out who I think was Mysterio. Because actually, he... that wouldn't surprise me, because uh, it's one of those things where because Mysterio was wearing his mask all the time... Like, and, he almost and you never can see the ugly off. wig that he was wearing, too. Uh -huh. <laughs> Even when they blurred out the face and stuff. But, but you could see he was short. <laughs> Especially when he's standing next to him. He was short, and he, he knew them, so... It, I, I, I'm guessing it Ray Mysterio does make sense. I mean... Yeah. Well, unless it was, you know, somebody else, but even so. Yeah, but that was the all-important video that 
the 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 fake Vince and fake fake Triple H didn't want anyone to see. Wow. Yep. A blurred out Rey Mysterio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, were you looking it up and? No, no. This is why I remember from that the, the little thing that happened at a pay per view. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say I don't remember the blurred out Rey Mysterio, but yeah, I, I do remember something like that was going on. <clears throat> now, TNA had some uh, great appearances, uh, I guess, return to rings for, return to the ring for some wrestlers, like uh, Sting came back to TNA after leaving, after WCW went down, uh, TNA got Christian brought over as Christian Cage, they yep. got Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. and and the big masterpiece was when they got Hulk Hogan. Yep. But also, when some of these WWE guys were coming over, also brought some issues as well. Yeah, exactly. Like the fact that they almost refused to do the six-sided ring, which is why they ended up jumping back to... Uh, the squared ring. The square, yep. But there's yep. one, one really bad situation that I want to bring up. And you probably you might know about this situation. It was the main event for Victory Road pay-per-view. It was supposed to be Sting versus Jeff Hardy. Yep. Yeah, I think I remember that. And Jeff Hardy was um, either intoxicated or drugged up. Uh, probably drugged up because that was back at well, I say back in the days, but. <laughs> I forgot what year it was exactly, so... Yeah. I, I think but, maybe 2007-ish? Uh, yeah, seven or eight. Yeah. But this was when Jeff Hardy was part of this immortal stable. Yep. But Jeff Hardy... The, the pay-per-view, the main event match was set for maybe a month. And for some reason, Jeff decided to get drugged up. And they, they they tried to drag the match on, but it, it didn't help. I mean, people who yeah. are watching this on YouTube can and listening to this can probably look up the match and watch it for themselves <coughs> on YouTube. Yeah, I was, it, I was it, about to say, they can probably look it up because most of this stuff is on YouTube. But yeah, most I was yeah. about to say, fin- finish this out because you guys should probably have, like, what, five minutes tops left on this? So. Uh, but, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we, we we probably should try to wrap it up. For you, Seth, uh, what are some of your, I guess, favorite moments, matches from the TNA in general? The TNA promotion. Well, of course, any time that you would get, you know, uh, Petey out in the ring, you know, and see up a Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> oh, the Canadian Destroyer was awesome to see. Dude, like, hands down, Canadian Destroyer is one of the greatest finishers ever invented. Like, I feel like me doing the uh, uh, the Dead Man's Curve, which I know I've described to you guys before, but for new listeners, back when I used to backyard wrestle, I uh, went under the, uh, the ring name of the Reaper, and... My finisher was, well, my finishers was uh, the ankle lock, the uh, choke slam, and the dead man's curve. And the dead man's curve was essentially I would set you up on my shoulders 
where your head was on my left shoulder and spin you uh, backwards into essentially a stone cold stunner. And I thought like that was the greatest thing I'd ever fucking invented. And then all of a sudden, and oh my god, Canadian destroyer! And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like any time you saw the Canadian destroyer, it was always like a good time. Anytime and, Jeff Jarrett walked down to the ring with his guitar, you knew somebody was hitting an El Cabal. <laughs> you know, watching watching Abyss go through his whole thing where, you know... The thumbtacks. Well, not just the thumbtacks, because the thumbtacks <laughs> are always, you know, one of those weapons that you know it's it, it hurts. But You know Abyss is bound to fall on the thumbtacks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he almost always did. But... I, I'm talking more when Mick Foley started showing up and they did the whole Mick Foley gave him the thumbs up thing and like showed off a picture of, uh, excuse me, like I don't know if it was Mick drew it or if it was like a fan art and they just decided to showcase it or what, but it was a painting of mankind in abyss and it was it was one of those moments that was so great because Abyss was actually so touched that he actually broke character and like started like laughing and joking while he was in the ring type of thing. Like just kind of enjoying, you know, the whole moment of Mick Foley being like, dude, you're doing an awesome job. And he just kind of marked out for a minute. And he was like, this is so awesome type of thing. And seeing him break character was pretty cool. Um, of course, Sting coming back. And the fact that he came back with, like, it, it was weird because, he, of course, he came back in the crow face paint. But I think it was, both, both times he came back in TNA was still as the crow sting. Well, that's just it. He came back as the crow, but he had the crow with, like, red and green in it. Like, red and green, like, thunderbolts type of thing, if that makes any, sense, any uh, sort of sense as to how I'm describing it. Oh, oh, something else I forgot to bring up was when Sting tried his take on the Joker. I don't think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Back when uh when they were doing the whole uh immortal stuff, Sting just kinda was in the point of actually snapping and just became kind of this Joker version. More of the Heath Ledger Joker though. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time that also would have been about the time of a uh, Dark Knight. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, Anything else about your favorite? I'm trying to think, but I don't know, man. Like, it, it, TNA was one of those things where, you know, you had TNA and WWE, and WWE just started getting so stale. Like, because honest, they had no, no real competition. No, it wasn't even a matter <clears throat> It wasn't even a matter of they had no competition. It like it came down to a matter of like I don't know, like they they didn't have the storyline going right. You know, like the only well, they probably the only, had some, but not Well, they had some, but I mean, you know what I mean, like this was in the days this was in the days when I think Cena was transitioning from doing the whole thugonomics thing yeah. to being the marine. When he was still, you know, having, like, Kevin Federline show up to the ring. You know, the, they had, like, 
Triple H was like the only major thing going on. The well, days of Evolution. Probably. Uh, no, I think this was pre-Taker coming back. I think. I think it was. It, it was either pre-Taker coming back, or it was right around the time he was starting to come back. But like, it, it was during the Evolution phase. You know what I mean? Like, it, there really wasn't much going on. Like, you would watch it almost out of habit. Like how most people do when it comes to like a sports game. You know what I mean? Like you turn on the ball game and you sit and watch, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, you know, what have you. You just turn it on. You wouldn't really pay attention to it that much. There wasn't really anything interesting happening, you know. And then you get to you get into TNA and all of a sudden there's just all kinds of hell breaking loose. Like all kinds of different matches and different characters too. The characters themselves, I think, were, were what, you know, drove it. Like, like I said, like, all I've been doing is ranting and raving about, like, the X Division. But like I said, you know, you've got Jeff Jarrett in there running amok. You know, you've got Abyss in there running in circles. You know, like, there was so much going on. Like, the, the fact that they ended up getting K-Quick to show up. You know, it, yeah. or at least I think that's what it was. It was. It was uh, I think. It, I think it was just a like our uh, truth then. Well, yeah, it was our truth. But you know what I mean, though. Like they had him coming back and doing stuff. You know, the Dudley Boys had shown back up. Like except they were three D Team Three D though. Well, yeah, they were Team Three D, yeah. but that's because the Dudleys uh, are copyrighted. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Once they went from EC Dub to WWE. Then WWE, you know, ended up taking their stuff. That's that's why he had to be. Uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why, uh, if I remember correctly, he couldn't be Bubba Ray. He had to be like Brother Ray or something like that. And oh, you, you know right. what I mean. That that uh, reminds me of when they tried that that first uh, hardcore uh, hardcore reunion show in TNA when uh when Spike came out and it's like the crowd was chanting, "You're a Dudley." <laughs> Uh-huh, exactly. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like, there was so much stuff going on that, like, the the early years of it was, like, not just, like, the early years back when, you know, me and Britt would, like, run home and turn on, like, Fox Sports Net or whatever it was and, you know, watch it and, you know, be excited for that stuff. But, like, after they had rebranded and, you know actually got onto a main cable network and had the main cable deals and everything going on, like, that's when everything just kind of became, like, amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. Like I said, it, it just, it was one of those things where <clears throat> there, there was so much and nothing going on that once things finally started happening, like, you got excited again, you know? It, it's like going to your first live show, you know? <laughs> going and seeing it live is not the same as watching it on TV. Never has, never will be. Like, hands down, that's one of the things that I always want to point out to people. If you're going to do something, go see it live. You know, uh, if you're going to watch baseball, go watch baseball live. If you're going to go to a football game, or, well, if you're going to watch football, go to the stadium, buy a ticket. Yes, they're expensive, but just buy a freaking ticket. Go watch them play live. Actually feel the hit. You know? Yeah, I, I was lucky to actually be at one of the TNA shows when it was in Peoria. Yeah, not me. Uh, I, I was uh, with a 
um, a girlfriend at the time, and both me and her went to see it. And this was around the time that Hogan was there. They were kind of doing the immortal stuff, but it wasn't as heavy. But they were doing some uh, filming for some of the uh, actual impact shows. They were doing a filming for impact shows and I think the explosion show as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually what it was too. Yeah. But uh, for me, TNA, it, it was a lot about the different alternative to the WWE. The six-sided rings, the more high flyers, the more, I guess... To me, they had a few, some better stories going on. Not a lot. <laughs> eh. And, like I said, they, they had some better actual wrestlers. Where WWE was more about sports entertainment, TNA was about the wrestling. Yeah, exactly. Like and, I said, that that's, you know, that's where I enjoyed it. It was more about the wrestling than it was, you know, the gimmicks, you know, trying to sell merch. You know, they they realized they they broken down the formula. If you have good, you know, wrestlers and they're putting on a good show, then you're going to sell good merch. You know, whereas <clears throat> if you have nobody, you know, if, if you got, you know, people who can't really hold their own in there, the only people carrying them is, you know, people like, you know, Triple H and the guys in Evolution and. You know, stuff like that. And, you know, Cena was at least doing good on his own. You know, if you get stuff like that going on where people can actually wrestle and it's not a gimmick of, you know, here's this type of match, here's that type of match. Oh, we're going to do something crazy and change it up a bit. We're going to have ourselves a hardcore match. There might be a chair and a table in there. Who knows? Oh, God. You know, the... When you, when you get down to it, if you have, you know, good wrestlers doing a good job, it works out a thousand, you know, you, you get way more out of it, you know. Sometimes it's not about the story. Sometimes it's about actually seeing, you know, what's, people what's who... are going on excellent. in the ring. Yeah, I was about to say, if you have people who have legitimate skill actually showing off their skill and talent... Which DNA did have a lot of. Yep, exactly. And like I said, if you have skill and talent, showing off skill and talent, it's a thousand times better. You know, like like I said, that that's when you start getting like the, you know, the the whole shark boy acting like Stone Cold and uh, uh what's his name acting like uh the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, Jay Lethal. Yep, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal was pulling a Macho Man. Well, he was calling himself Black Machismo. Uh huh. And actually, not that long uh, after uh, the Immortal group happened, Jay Lethal kind of did this uh, Ric Flair stuff. Yep. <laughs> and and talking about impersonations, uh, Petey Williams changed into a mini Scott Steiner. Yep. Yep, because that was about the time Steiner showed up, too. Oh, God, that was horrible. I, kinda... I know it was, but like I said, the gimmicks didn't matter, because as soon as they got in the ring... And the person under the gimmick showed off their actual skills and talent. You quit giving a shit about the gimmick. You really did. That was the problem when Petey Williams became the uh, junior Scott Steiner. He didn't do the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Hardly ever. 
yeah, he backed it off quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was because of, you know, all the the toll took on him, but... No, just... actually, if I remember correctly, it came down to a matter of there weren't that many people that could do it. Yeah. Like I said, any anybody who was in there from the beginning with the X, with the X Division stuff... Yeah, they could do it easily. <clears throat> yeah, I was about to say, they could keep up with it. Most of the other guys, you know, you get Edge, or not Edge, you get Christian and Steiner and, you know... I don't even Hogan. think Abyss could take it, could he? Do what? I don't think Abyss could even take it, could he? Um, he could, but I don't think he could do it correctly. Yeah. Was the problem? But like Samoa Joe was one of the few guys that could do it and do it right as one of the you know quote unquote heavyweights. Some of the other things that I very much enjoyed with TNA, how the WWE, there's like my the, the main four for me, my favorite four, WWE has like the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, WrestleMania. I kind of have that with TNA as well. For TNA, it was Lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, Anniversary, Yep. Bound for Glory, which was their WrestleMania somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Bound for Glory was always something amazing. Yeah. Always. And and technically, I could probably add uh, when they did that first uh, hardcore justice, when they brought in the hardcore guys because they couldn't quite say extreme guys. Yep. They they kind of had the their version of an uh, their ECW reunion. Yep. Which they had to change a lot of names because uh, I think uh, Just Incredible had to change his name to like something Palombo or something. And with all the fans, Actually, I think all, that. all the fans that were out there that remember these guys from ECW, they were still chanting their ECW names. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot of them would. Like the big one that I always laughed at was Rhino. He kept his name; it just was spelled differently. It, exactly, that's what I mean. They, like that one always made me laugh because he was able to get away with it because of the spelling. And I remember uh, because he changed it from R H I N O to R H Y N O. And I remember, <laughs> they were they were able to get away with it. I remember during that uh, hardcore justice when a uh, Team 3D came out mm-hmm. with some uh, with some of those uh, uh, tie dye stuff, and they uh, actually they actually had Joel Gerdner with them. Yep. And it got to a point where he. Joel Gardner almost said the du- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he almost screwed up. But, yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of hard to actually list off matches because they had so many great, epic matches. I mean, for me, it's just easier to try and point out certain pay-per-views over the matches themselves. But then again, some of the pay-per-view themselves... Maybe only had a few good matches. <laughs> so let's go and wrap this up. Uh, contact info. Oh, you want me to do it? I figured you were going to do it this time. <laughs> okay. well, mostly uh, you've contact. been doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I usually end up jumping in and taking over on this yeah. one. Um, Contact info, reploidproductions.com. That's our website. Um, 
I don't think it's going to make it up in time. But <clears throat> for anybody who actually joined us in uh, either actually going to see the Dragon Ball Z uh, Resurrection of F movie mm. and uh, joined us in the uh, live chat, we appreciate it greatly. Uh, Scotty and I are actually recording this the Friday before that. So like I said, I don't think it's going to make it in time. But yeah, anybody who actually this will probably be posted after sometime. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, you know, anybody who joined us, we greatly appreciate it. We also greatly appreciate the fact that you, you know, were able to jump over and join us on this. Um, you know, we we probably will still have the forms up, so. Signing up for the forms is as simple as pick the screen name you want, throw throw in a uh, email, and then join us. Uh, I'm going to try to talk to uh, our web admin to actually create a group specifically for this show. Come chat with us, come hang out with us while you're at the website. Check out the other stuff we've done on Fandom Night. Uh, scroll through everybody. Everybody has links to their own personal YouTube channels like mine and Scott's and uh, everybody's personal email. So if we say something you didn't quite agree with, feel free to talk to us. If we said something you loved, hell, tell us that you loved what we said. You know, <laughs> get a hold of us, talk to us. We're always willing to sit down and chit chat with people. And you hell, can do that. I've literally the entire time I've been talking with Scott and you guys, I've been uh, busy talking with another friend of mine. You know, and heck, you can do that on YouTube when this is posted up you can put it in comments also on Facebook when we post the actual link to the video there too yeah yeah I did forget that there's the uh, group page to uh, uh, the Facebook account there's a Facebook group page you can join up um, again I've said it I've said it before and I'll say it again um, if you would like to add me now this is me personally if you want to add me on Facebook, feel free. Make sure you send me a message first or, like, post something on my timeline or something and be like, hey, I'm a fan of the show because I keep getting weird people sending me friend requests. I'm like, I don't know who you are. You're not friends with anybody else. You know, even if it comes down to a matter of it, screw it. Join up the group page. Be like, you know, tag me and Scotty in a comment being like, hey, I love you guys' wrestling show. You know, feel free to add me. Hell, I'll add you guys. You know, I don't care one way or another. You know, the, this is a really weak as crap, you know, podcast channel that we got. I don't need to say that, you know, we're not doing our damnedest. But. It's weak, but the weird thing is, on YouTube, we're getting views. Yeah, I know, which is odd, and I'm not sure if that's just me checking to see if anybody's actually, you know commented on the video or anything i mean i know a few of them i put a, a few comments on like one on one one on another but i'm hoping to open that up to other people to actually share their memories and you know favorite moments but hopefully anyone who listens and watches this will do the same thing here with this with tna yeah i was about to say like our buddy william william bill reploid bill bush yes i have to say it that way but uh <laughs> Don't don't do what I accidentally say and uh, said it was a. Uh, I think I said I accidentally said a uh, Ripley Bush or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Ripley Bush. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, you you have to be specific because yeah. You, to pull back the curtain again, Bill is actually William Bush the third, 
And he's done that before where he was like, I'm Bill Bush on Facebook, and people started adding his father and not Bill. Um, but yeah, as William Bush, Reploid Bill on Facebook would say, come conversate with us. And I did just say on Facebook, on Fandom Night. On both. Look, <laughs> yeah, exactly. On Fandom Night, on Facebook, on any of it. If you want to come and talk to us, come conversate. We're always down to sit down and BS. But I mean, that's what most of these are, anyways. Just sitting around BSing about some of the stuff that happened with some of these wrestling promotions. Yep. Until we actually get around to some stuff that we might bring up soon in a in another. Yeah, thing. which that one might actually end up being a uh, full blown live show. I'll I'll actually show up to that one to sit down and hang out with everybody, but um. Which, no spoilers there. But to go back to my comment of this being just a tiny podcast, you know, nothing really worth nothing. I don't mean it to, you know, be bad-mouthing us, but, you know, considering the fact that I listen to podcasts all day long, you know, stuff like the guys over at The Nerdist and, you know, most Modco stuff, like the big things I listen to were like Edumacation and, you know, uh, uh, Hollywood Babylon and stuff like that, you know. And most podcasts <clears throat> I listen to is the fan night stuff. I mean, I don't really... Oh, I was to... about to say, I listen to our stuff. I also listen to, like, Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson and, you know, listen to voice actors talk about the craft and that, because I wouldn't mind getting into voice acting. You know, well, don't exactly have a voice for it, but, you know, I wouldn't mind it. Something yeah. fun to do. And yeah, it would be fun. I've always been a cartoon nut, but, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where I listen to so many podcasts and... We're not on the level they are. You know, we're not the top of iTunes <laughs> by any means. So for anybody listening, you know, I just want to say, you know, truly from the bottom of my heart and from the rest of the guys, you know, Scott included, we really do appreciate you guys listening to us. So yeah, if you do enjoy stick us, around, yeah. yeah, exactly. If you do enjoy us, you know, not only stick around and, you know, listen to us, but Come talk with us. Come hang out. Like I said, pay attention to the group page. You know, we, we don't just talk wrestling. You know, we talk wrestling, comic books, video games, stuff like that. And like I said, as I mean, of... Heck, we might dip into that stuff pretty soon, too, with the yeah. wrestling corner. Yep. And like I said, here in a few hours, because it's officially Saturday now, because I rambled like I always do. <laughs> but, but, you know, as of later on this afternoon... You know, me and the guys are all going to go out to the movie theater, watch, you know, The Resurrection of F, and sit down and actually... It'll be my second time seeing it, though. Oh, yeah, for you it will be. It'll be my first, yeah. which I still got to sit down and watch Battle of the Gods. Thank, thank you, YouTube. Um, but, like I said, it, it's one of those things where, you know, come hang out with us. Come talk with us. If you're a fan of the show, come say hi. I mean, heck, you know, if anybody who's listening or watching this can actually come to some of the local shows I referee at, referee at go there. There you go, right there. Exactly. Go on right ahead. In fact, uh, sorry, need another ticket. For those of you who aren't huge fans, if this is day one and you're actually still sticking around to listen to this, you know that Nick and I are the huge chain smokers of the group. But uh. You know, well, technically smokers, period. But if this is your first time, you can actually backtrack to the first episode that we kind of talk about our background and, you know, introducing ourselves into wrestling and professional indie stuff like that. 
Exactly. But like I said, you know, it's one of those things where if I can play my cards right, I'm going to start trying to actually go to the live shows with Scott whenever I actually can. And, you know, start hanging out because we might actually start filming shows while we're there, you know, just kind of hang out and, you know, after we're done with a local show, actually report on the local show. Now, don't get me wrong. There's already a local show group or there's already a group in the area that does that. Or if I remember tries. Well, yeah, tries. If I remember correctly, uh, they're called like Bleacher Report or something like that. They mostly focus out of St. Louis, but they're supposed to cover central Illinois for some odd reason, but that's that's for something else to talk well, about. Well, it, it's uh, I knew one of the guys that was doing it, and I don't know if he still actually goes and helps report for them, but regardless, that's neither here nor there at this point. Yeah. At this point, we're trying to wrap this up and yeah. get you guys back to live. So uh, with that, I'm Kevin Smith. I mean, <laughs> Seth Sorry, I love it. And I'm Scott Action Jackson, and we'll, I guess, see you, talk to you, chat with you, listen to you next.